What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me again, uh, the lovely Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, thank you. Awesome. And behind me today are cherries that are blossoming on my cherry tree. Actually, I have a couple of them out front in my front yard. So uh, there they are. That for is so you cool. Viewers. Yes. And what's your What's your status of? I mean, you making a cherry pie anytime soon? What's the deal? So I don't really love to bake. I, I do more cooking, so okay. baking is not more my thing. So uh, <laughs> the birds enjoy them, the deer, yes. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, joining us for the first time on Sermon Spotlight, Pastor John Morrison. John, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. Awesome. Caleb. Thank I'll you for being nice here. Nice to be with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It'll be fun to dive into the weekend a little bit. You've been, you preached uh, this past weekend. I think you have a couple more slotted in for the weeks ahead. Um, mm -hmm. But before we do that, I have a few kind of icebreaker questions for you, John. Okay, Doug. The first one is, have you ever preached outside before this past weekend? No, that was a very different experience. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah, it was kind of wild. There's just so much land. And because it was a Saturday morning, we had fewer people. So in some ways, even though I knew the amplification was great, it was weird to reach out like 150 yards away and and pretend that I'm in a uh, conversation yeah. with people who whom I can't even see. But <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, there were there were people in my community group who really liked your hat. So that, <laughs> I like the hat too. Wanna, you might want to consider that for next week. For the okay, next wearing it indoors. I got yes. that. Yes. That's my favorite little Aussie hat. Well, there's all those like, you know, public speaking tips and it has to do with the, almost the ambience of the room or the back wall and the sound. And so when you're outdoors, it's almost like anything goes. I wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. I've been outdoors, obviously, with the other services that we had. It was a, it was a rush. I got up there and I thought, well, I'll be. This is kind of strange. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I like. I, mean, right. I like being out there, and and uh, you know, I think those previous times where we've had more people, I think that's even more enjoyable because it's such. It's so great to be out on a beautiful day. Oh yeah. To be out as families and getting a chance finally to interact. I think the rest of us are tired of being hobbits, so it was yeah. really <laughs> up above ground. Yeah. That's awesome. And then the second question here is with everything opening back up with quarantine, you know, slowly getting behind us, what, what restaurant are you most excited about returning to? I have to say, uh, sweet Nola's. Okay. Didn't oh, know. you're with, you're with Dennis, Dennis, Dennis McNutt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dennis right? McNutt said that. Yeah. It's really oh, good. He said something about the shrimp and grits on Thursdays or something. I have been there for the shrimp and grits. It's a little too rich for me, which I didn't even <laughs> to say, but uh, it it was super rich. I just, it's just such an unusual thing. My son-in-law is from New Orleans, and uh, so we get to hear every once in a while from them, you know, some of those good Cajun words, if not meals, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think Sweet Noah's kind of has it for me. That's awesome. Well, that's super cool. Well, yeah, thank you again for being here. I'd love to go ahead and, and jump into a little bit of a Sunday in review. And so, Pastor John, I'll come your way. Share, share a little bit with us about what we talked about this past weekend, um, the scripture we, we kind of focused in on and, and what, that, what that means for the body, especially as we look forward to the next couple, couple sermons. Yeah, you bet. Well, these three weeks we're looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And I, I don't know that we really ought to have a favorite verse or a favorite chapter or anything because the whole word of God is inspired. You got 31,000 verses and it's all the heart of God. But probably if I had a favorite chapter, Ephesians 4 might be it. Uh, it had a great impact in my life as a young believer. Uh, it oriented me to the church. It oriented me to the heart of God in relationships. It oriented me to the reality that God wanted to use everybody in, in his work. Uh, I don't mean in terms of being paid to be on staff of the church. I just mean ministering, that that was the call for all Christians. And then just that um, I, I'm naturally an arguer. I'm naturally a person who would, left in the flesh, it would just be head to head. Mm. Somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose, whoever makes the best argument kind of a thing. But it's such a high call to unity and such a high call to humility and then working together and then working on our relationships. I just think it's a real powerful chapter. And the first section we looked at, um, you guys don't mind a little uh, longhorn water here. I, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. I told myself driving into church, I said, how many minutes into this podcast is he going to bring up the longhorn? <laughs> That's awesome. My voice is scratching. Um, <laughs> But our focus on this first week was uh, verses 1 through 6, which says that um, I, the prisoner of the Lord, exhort you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and meekness, bearing with one another in love, carefully preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then he goes on to explain to us that the reason for that is because we've been called in one hope of our calling, and there is one faith and one Lord and one baptism. Uh, and the reason there's all that is because there's one God who is the father of all, in all, and through all. So it's this picture that Paul is exhorting the body that whatever else we do, and, and it's interesting to me that it's the very first practical part of the book, that the first three chapters lays out doctrinal understandings of who Christ is and what the church is. And what God's plan has been. And, and he finishes with this exalting prayer at the end of chapter 3 where, where he, he extols the love of God that is above and beyond all things. And he, he moves from this wonderful doctrinal foundation in chapters 1, 2, and 3 and this exalting prayer of the love of God. And he moves, boom, straight from love to the body of Christ and the very first thing he says is, walk in a manner worthy of this calling of being Christians. And you go, okay, what, what would be worthy? Well, I'll tell you what would be worthy. It's to pursue humility. It's, it's to pursue this um, patience with one another, this gentleness with one another, this uh, ability to endure well with one another. Uh, because the reality is you're still going to sin against each other. 
And if you're going to sin each, against each other, the question then becomes, so what's to keep me from taking my ball and going home? You know, what's, what's to keep me from uh, uh, just living for myself? I mean, I'm going to heaven now. Right. I'm just going to live for myself. And frankly, you guys bug me. So I think what I'll do is just pull away and, uh, you know, I'll hang around with the two or three people I really like and then the heck with the rest of the people. But, man, he walks right into the face of that and says, no, we got to pursue unity because it's through unity that God's going to get glorified. So that was kind of the intent. Um, and interestingly, I would have chosen when Mark asked if, we would talk on the local church. And the reason he asked us to speak in the local church was because he said, you know, we're going along in Romans and then we get hit by COVID. And when we get hit by COVID and we shut down and people don't see each other anymore, Mark said, I feel like we kind of need one of those Vince Lombardi moments of gentlemen, this is a football mm -hmm. where you say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are we as a church? Because we might not be able to see each other. We might not be able to be face-to-face -face like normal. So what really is the church? I think I would have picked Ephesians 4 for mine before all this stuff happened, all the George Floyd killing, mm -hmm. and before all of the, the uh, protests that have resulted in riots. And it's so weird how after all that stuff happened, and I went back to this passage that I would have picked anyway, and I'm going, oh, my goodness, Lord. Oh, my goodness. This, I've never thought of this passage in light of the terrors that we're experiencing within the culture and the division and the disharmony. And I'm thinking, gosh, not that it's more applicable now, but in a way, it's like, gosh, I see so much more even in the middle of this painful, painful, painful time. How much more this stuff is essential well let me let me ask you a question to that point we it, it, a lot of our viewers and listeners like to hear from the different pastors especially how the the sermon comes together was there anything you felt like you left out or was there anything you felt like you wanted to add in and a common question i'll kind of bring up is obviously john there's so much going on in the world at, at what point does it enter into the sermon or you want to address this i mean for example a couple weeks ago outside you know mark addressed racism and i would imagine a couple weeks ago that might not have been on the forefront of the mind until obviously like you mentioned the george floyd stuff what has the sermon prep been like for you and have you been, been approaching it as that series i hear you saying you, you chose ephesians 4 what was that process like well um when Mark first asked, would you guys be willing to participate in something on the local church? Uh, he said, just do some praying about, you know, where the Lord might have you guys go. And so Don did and I did, and we sent back and forth some uh, emails. And originally my thought was that I would do two from Ephesians 4 and one from 1 Thessalonians 2. They just kind of like passages that flew into my mind about the local church. Okay. Um, and originally the thought was I would do one on the shepherds from First Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, and then that I would do um, unity and relationships from chapter 4. And so that was my initial thought that I emailed to the other guys sometime back. Hmm. And as I prayed on that and as I began to read the passages, it was like, no, First Thessalonians is great. 
Chapter two is great. That section verses seven through 12, that's great. But frankly, this whole chapter four is just a unit of thought. Let's with it. Well, then as the protests rolled and as the horrors unfolded of what had happened to Floyd and what had happened to um, Ahmoud Arbery and what happened to Breonna Taylor and as all those kind of things unfolded right before our eyes. Um, as I'm reading all this, it's like, man, all the more important for us to get a message of A, unity, B, the maturity of the body and the, and the importance of every member being part. When I think about how the, the church could be a, a voice to the community about the righteousness of Christ and the love of Christ, I think we would have to have everybody on deck to be able to pull that off. Uh, you know, for example, we have a few blacks in our church, but not a lot based on the size of the church. But man, when I think about what somebody who is black or somebody who is from a minority adds, or people who have gifts in areas of communication, or people who have a gifts in being able to marshal support, we're going to talk about this a little bit this coming Sunday, people who could pull teams together to do certain things that might be a, a light to the community of not only the righteousness of Christ, but the the grace and kindness of Christ, then I just think, man, the whole body needs to come together. And I would say that one thing that was left out, um, at least that I wrote in my development that didn't happen to come out, was in the context of unity, one of the things I wanted to speak about was the fact that unity doesn't mean you don't speak up about unrighteousness. Because we, I don't know that we'll get time on the third week, but there's a passage at the end of Ephesians 4 in verse 29 that says, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it might give grace to those who hear. And when people hear that initially, they think, so are we just supposed to use happy words? Well, that's not at all the case. We, we use words that edify, but edify can mean words that are strong and firm and necessary. Well, similarly, when we talk about unity, I was going to mention the fact that the Apostle Paul called out a guy who unrighteously slapped him when he was confined and, and uh, being, uh, being tested, if you will, uh, before leaders. And Jesus called out a guy who slapped him unrighteously. Um, that doesn't mean they weren't willing to suffer. And it doesn't mean they weren't willing to suffer unrighteously. We, we believe that the Apostle Paul was martyred. That's obviously suffering unrighteously. And of all people, who has suffered unrighteously more than Jesus? So it's not that they're not willing. It's that there are places and times where it is right to call out unrighteousness. And so I had written in there some examples of what's going on culturally for us right now. The importance of calling that out. You know. The day George Floyd was killed, I saw a headline about a, the headline was something like a man killed in police custody. And so I, I went to it like an hour or two after it hit the street. It hadn't even been reported on yet. Otherwise, I saw the video and I'm seeing this policeman with this guy's, with his neck on this guy, I mean, on this guy's neck, his knee, 
I'm thinking, surely this isn't going to be the one. Surely this won't be the guy. You know, they're going to point to something else where a guy dies, like somebody's going to get shot or something. You know, it's not going to happen if this means surely it can't. And as those people are yelling at him, get off him, man, you're killing him. Get off him, man, you're killing him. And the guy is just impervious to their words. And then the guy in front of him, three to four feet away from the crowd, that cop is sitting there and they start approaching. And I'm thinking that's what I would want to do. I'd want to go and push the cop off, not, not because I want to harm the cop, but to keep him from killing somebody. There's blood beginning to come out of his nose. And I'm, I'm seeing this unrighteousness on massive display. Hmm. See that that's meant to be called out. Hmm. Christian, non-Christian, that ought to be called out. That's wickedness. And the sad thing is, is those people began to move forward, which I think any thinking person should have done. The, the, the cop who was in, closer to them puts his hand on his holster, on his gun, and the guy who's on the knee, he puts his hand on his too, which is a very subtle message right. that if you get a foot closer to me, I will shoot you. And I love cops, and I appreciate, but folks, this that's just wickedness. And yeah. so my feeling is that the church somehow, without falling off into the ditch of some of the, what I happen to believe is real foolishness on the part of an organization like Black Lives Matter. Of course, Black Lives Matter. I love the saying. I love lifting up the fact that all lives matter. But they fall off on this terrible political side of saying, let's overthrow the nuclear family of saying, let's promote every form of sexual deviancy that we can. That's a sad thing that you're, that you're co-opting this phrase, Black Lives Matter. You know what? Something good could have been done with that phrase. Right. Something good could have get done. done. Well, and instead, you get so much, excuse me, crap. That gets yeah. And, and what we're seeing is who is deciding the moral compass? Because we're seeing imperfect, broken people or organizations deciding, no, here's, we've found it. We've found the ultimate pursuit of righteousness or the, or the moral compass that everybody else needs to follow. It's, it's the blind leading the blind. It's what we see in this world. And society is so quick. And so the, that idea, you know, the Bible being the authority, biblical dependency, I think is huge. And so that's what's cool about Ephesians 4 popping up, because I agree with you, John. I mean, hearing it. It, it's awesome to see that it was planned and forethought and also applicable because that's, I mean, that's money. <laughs> Every sermon should feel like that, that it was planned out and also relevant for the times. I think that, mm -hmm. I think that's huge. Alicia, let, let's hear from you. I mean, what were your thoughts? You were at home, I'm assuming, watching. Yes, yes. I was at home and uh, which it was such an excellent message. I, I love to listen to you preach and teach. Uh, I feel like I can walk away with so much application. Um, mm -hmm. That is really helpful. Um, oh, that, that chapter four obviously talks about how we live as people of God. And um, there were so many qualities of being humble, gentle, patient, tolerant, loving. And um, that, plays into all of these scenarios and back to what you were saying now you know being tolerant doesn't mean 
being accepting of something. You can extend grace and recognize that people are made in the image of God and treat them accordingly. Um, and I think that that uh, is a wonderful way that we can glorify God, which you know brings us back to Mark's sermon from last week and just talking about how can we as a church glorify God as a as a body and, and in that unity. Um, our small group met Monday night and we had a lot of really, really good discussion about um, the text. And uh, I had a question for you though. Um, in response to the, you in your sermon, you had addressed the question, how is God to bring his glory and man manifest it through us? And you had two points. The first one was, by recognizing that we are prisoners of the Lord if we're in Christ, and two, that we would walk in a manner that is worthy, that we would be holy and blameless before him. And um, obviously, Paul, he's a prisoner at that time, and he counts that what he is going through is worthy of the call that he's been given, that God's chosen for him, and that, too, that we have to walk in that uh in the manner that's worthy that God's given for us as well. But can you further expound on what, um, what you meant by saying that we are prisoners of the Lord? Yeah. In fact, I'll talk about it a tiny, tiny bit this coming Sunday. Um, yeah. And he, he, he exhorts us as a prisoner of the Lord. And like I said, Obviously, he's a literal prisoner at that time in Rome. But I said, in a manner of speaking, I think he is pointing to the reality that we also are prisoners of the Lord. If you look at, I don't want to get too far ahead, but if you just look at the very, the part that was the next two verses that we didn't cover, verse 7 and 8. And um, he says, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And again, I'll talk about it this coming Sunday, but those captives that he's talking about are the people who have believed on Christ. This is a Psalm 68 was talking about the, the Messiah, when he came as a conquering king. And when he comes as a conquering king, he has conquered us by virtue of the fact that we were sinners, we recognized our sin and our worthy judgment, and that he died in our place. He offers us eternal life as a gift. But in the same, at the same time, we are, um, we're told, and again, I'm going to be careful about how I get a hold of this without going into too much of the next one, but we're told in Colossians 3 that we've actually been seated with him in the heavenlies. Well, the time when we were seated with him in the heavenlies was 2,000 years ago, even before we were born. In a way, I don't fully understand. It used to be that conquering kings would have a, all their captives behind them in a train, and they would parade through the city. And it was a display to the home city, look at what I've won. And what he had won was all these captives and all their possessions. And... That's us. We're the ones that he is bringing captivity captive. He's, he's captivating all of us, and we're following in his train. 
Um, and now Paul in verse one, which is where I had spoken it from, I was saying that in the, he is a, this literal physical prisoner of Rome, but he's really saying I'm fundamentally a prisoner of the Lord. And, and what I was saying was by extension, in the same way that he is fundamentally a prisoner of the Lord, so are we all. For example, I'm using this term prisoner very much like the term uh, bond servant. And, and some people are familiar with this idea and some are not. It used to be that for the Jews, if, if the Jews had someone who was a servant to them, they normally were indentured for a period of time, most of the time. And so they would serve their years and then they would be set free. But if a servant determined that she had it so good or he had it so good at that place that the food was plentiful, the people were good to them, the work was good, that they wanted to remain. They could present themselves to the owner of the home and say, I would like to remain a servant forever. Hmm. And they did. They would put them up against the door frame of the house and put their earlobe against the door. And they would get an awl, pointed object like a screwdriver, but with a point, and poke it through the person's ear. And that was a symbol of the fact that they were a willing servant for the rest of their life. And in Greek, that, that concept comes over. There's the word doulos, which means a servant. But then there's the word doulos, And that's the word bondservant. And it means somebody who has willingly taken on this identification of being under them. Um, we also see the same idea um, in Romans chapter 6, when around verse 14, the Lord says, we were slaves to sin, but now we're slaves to righteousness. And so this idea of being his prisoner is similar to this idea of being his bondservant, that we're people who are in his service. Now, what I think is... Mission Impossible. I like it. With, <laughs> with, with that, so that's that's neat because also in in that urging us to walk in a manner that's worthy, that that brings in that passage of Ephesians 1, 12 through 14, where I, verse 13 and 14, where we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. And so that, that worthiness that we have, because we can't muster that up on our own, but, but that's made possible through the Holy Spirit. Um, and so that's how we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, sealed by the Holy Spirit to the praise of his glory. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's really good. And I love the concept of we're always worshiping something. Mm -hmm. We're always committing ourselves to, to something. Uh, we are natural idolaters. Like There is something we want to chase after. And so I love that language that, that pairs us and, and partners us to the mission uh, of the gospel and of Christ. Because at first glance, you read these and it's so funny because these words are buzzwords. A new Christian to read that sentence says, that doesn't sound very fun. But the yeah. more you know about the freedom in Christ, the, yeah. I am willing to be a prisoner of that. It's, it's yes. verse logic. I think that's an important thing to say because I remember what I mentioned that the immediately preceding verses were chapter 3. 
and you listen to the words, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through the spirit in the inner man, exactly what Alicia was just talking about, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So he's, he's kind of doing one of these, you know, he's like, he's going, be filled with a love that goes beyond what you think. Then he comes in with the idea, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. Now, for him, that's no loss. It's no loss for him to consider himself not a prisoner of Rome, but a prisoner of the Lord. Because he's saying, basically, hey, I'm available to do whatever the Lord wants me to do and do it wherever the Lord wants me to do it. And that's why of the, of the three things I tried to communicate, first being, like Paul, if we properly understand it, we too are a prisoner of the Lord. And ironically, being a prisoner of the Lord sets us free. It sets us free to be able to do whatever it is he has for us, because I'm not a prisoner of my own desires any longer. Number two, I'm going to pursue unity uh, through humility and gentleness and this tolerant patience and love. And number three, I'm going to do that because there's only one God, and when I'm able to make myself through the power of the Holy Spirit and through abiding in Christ, when I'm able to make myself recognize, wait a minute, I am not Lord of my life. He is Lord. And I'm going to follow him wherever he shows me. Whether I'm the policeman on the street who might be hated, I'm going to do it as under the Lord. If I'm a person who is a minority, who is mistreated, I'll stand up where I need to stand up, but I'll also guard myself against bitterness. Because the 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 policeman might be tempted towards giving up or towards being enraged against people who they consider to be a threat. And if you're a minority, you could easily be embittered by the bad treatment you've received. And regardless of what side anybody falls in on all these things, for me to say, wait a minute, I don't live for myself. I live for him who died for me. I'm going to pursue humility. And why am I going to do it? Because there's only one God. And I want to make sure that whatever my life says, it honors the one God and the one faith. That's really good. Yeah, the, the better we understand the gospel, the better we can walk in that manner that is worthy and recognizing like what you were and you made the point in your sermon about let's major on the major and minor on the minor. And ultimately, Christ is the goal and he's the hero and he's the one that we are our lives are devoted to. He's chosen us to, to, to serve him and to bring him glory. And that's an ultimately a delight. That's what's all satisfying. And when we see his character uh, and manifested in these ways of being humble and gentle and patient, that, uh, that honors him. Well, and I think you nailed it there. Just the, the better we understand the gospel, the more equipped we are to deal with this stuff. Because what we're yeah. seeing coming to a head, we, we have got to bear one another's burdens, but we also need to not walk in the counsel of the wicked. 
That's right. That's and right. so that is, and that's what I'm seeing. I mean, you right. turn on any news that's network, right. you, you have to realize, okay, I need to bear these burdens, but I need to not walk yeah. in the counsel of the wicked. And that oh is God. hard. Yeah. The Matthew um, ver, uh, chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 28, comes to mind. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What we're walking through right now is heavy and it is burdensome. And so the only place for us to go is the Lord Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's a great, great word. That's a great passage if somebody was, you know, to have a, ver a verse to to meditate on when you're thinking of this stuff and you're thinking about the era that we're in right now that matthew 11 28 through 30 that's great john you can start to see how these podcasts could go on forever yeah i'm sure <laughs> find a new find a new passage but any any final thoughts before i i wrap us up here about maybe where we're headed or, or what's to come i do know we're going to be inside yes we're going to be inside i think for the rest of the summer as well i think so too um yeah. And it looks like children's ministry is available for the 11 o'clock hour. There, there's one service. I believe that that is the case. Yeah. Um, if you go but to fbcva.life. Yeah, that's really important to look on the website because it's a little different with every hour. Plus, F3 is going to be back in action. Yeah, the smaller, the smaller the venue. The handshake of, of F3. We, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's we you. Yeah, you're, you're an F3 oh, guy. Man. I can't yeah. show it. I wish I could, but you don't have I need to get that. John and I know though, because we're we're both F threeers. So yeah. Alicia, you're F three too. Oh, oh yeah, F three. Yeah. <laughs> I'm outnumbered. She and I, she and I behind behind Zoom are going to be doing the. the <laughs> yeah, That's but actually, it's kind of an elbow. It's going to have to change. Now you're going to have to change it. That's the right. COVID, yeah, the COVID right. shake. Yeah, that's too. Funny. No, I don't, uh, Caleb. I think it's. Just maybe the only thing I would say is uh, is uh, how important this chapter reminds us how important it is that every Christian, every person who really who knows that they know Christ, yeah. how important it is for them to realize that they are counted on within the body, and that what they do and how they speak and how they relate really does matter. And we're going to see more of that over the next two weeks, but. Uh, um, and otherwise, I just encourage all of us, I bet a lot of us are doing this already, but just pray for the nation that we would be able to hear from minorities who happen to be struggling in the midst of all these things, love them, learn from them, and work together. And at the same time, that, that like you said, that we would not, um, or j just that we would not uh, I, I'm concerned that in an effort to do something, mm -hmm. a lot of people are so burdened and so angry, and I and I think in many ways righteously. But I think this thing has been a problem for such a long time. We ought to walk wisely. We ought to listen to people. We ought to think well. Jumping into sudden action, I think, usually bites you. It just doesn't go well. The word eager, uh, e in verse three, eager to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. The, to be eager means to make every effort. And so yeah. 
that takes action. And that action, though, is to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so we're not like to sit back, let go, let God sort of a thing, but to right. make every effort to be eager to maintain yeah. that unity of the Spirit. Yeah. yeah. That's really Very good. Very good. good. Well, thank you both so much uh, for being here this morning. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. As a reminder, you can find us at fbcva.life slash Sermon Spotlight. We're coming at you each and every week. Video version up on YouTube, audios out there on uh, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff for you people that like to take us with you on the go. Uh, the fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless. Mm-hmm.